0: This is a Triple J Podcast. <laughs> hey, it's Dave Marchese. Welcome to the Hack Podcast. How do you sum up the politics of a year like 2023 in one half an hour podcast? <laughs> it's impossible, whether it's federal politics, state politics, all the massive stuff that's been happening around the world. There is a tone, though, I think it's fair to say, like it's been heavy in politics this year. We're gonna try and break down and reflect on some of the bigger issues on this shakeup because it is the last week of hack being on the radio. So we're marking that by doing a week of shakeups. We're gonna still be with you over summer on the podcast, but we're wrapping up the year with a bit of a reflection on the biggest events, most influential people, defining moments. And today we are turning to politics.
1: Hack. Today I
0: announce that referendum day will be the 14th of October.
1: They've said no to division within our constitution. It has been the honour and privilege
2: of my life. Much of the world is on edge tonight as the crisis in the Middle East escalates.
1: Tensions flared after far-right demonstrators taunted anti-racism protesters with the Nazi salute.
2: On Triple J.
0: Yeah, there's been a lot and there's heaps to unpack. That is just a taste. So how are we gonna do this? well just like we usually do on the shake-up joined by a couple of people to help really get the conversation going and today we got two people i think it's fair to say from two different political backgrounds (laughs) first she's a politician in victoria the youngest woman in victoria's parliament animal justice mp georgie purcell hey georgie thanks for coming on
1: G'day, Dave. Thanks for having me.
0: Wrapping up the year, how are we feeling? It's been a big one for you. I've been seeing you all over socials in Victoria Parliament, hammering other politicians. (laughs) Are you ready to wrap up?
1: Look, no one can possibly describe how much that first year takes it out of you. Um, But it still feels like such a privilege every single day. And I do need a little break, but I'm going to be ready to go again next year. you
0: got the energy. So looking back on it, you're like, oh, it was a good year.
1: It was a great year, yes. It was a wonderful year and I think that we're doing a lot to break down the barriers about who or what a politician is, which makes me really, really proud. Yeah,
0: lots of conversations there. Love to see it. Also on the Shake Up today, breaking down the year in politics... Former WA Liberal leader, Yamachi Ryder, Zach Kirkup. Zach, how have you been?
2: Dave, so good. Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, of course. You're always on to discuss all the big moments (laughs) in politics. Are you dragging it to the end of the
2: year? Looking forward to a break? I I am. It feels like a meat grinder to get to the end of the year. I'm just, I'm real keen for it to come and finish and and being done with and and then get ready for next year, just like a... The energy Georgie's bringing is is the vibe that I want to take into next year. <laughs> uh, hopefully,
0: everyone's got a bit of time coming time off coming up. If you don't, if you're working through, hey, try and sit back, relax a little. Get a part of this conversation. Get on the text line. Ring up. We want to hear your thoughts on all this as well. There's so much to get into. There really is only one place to start, though, and that's with two stories that have dominated politics this year. The voice-to-parliament referendum, the Israel-Gaza war, and at the heart of these two issues, identity has really been front and centre, right? Whether it's racism, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, there's been some disturbing stuff that's been circulating around the discussions happening in Australia. Here's hack political reporter Shalila Madora with a bit of a recap. The idea for a voice came from the people and it will be decided by the people.
3: It was the biggest news story of the year and Prime Minister Anthony Albanese spent a lot of political capital on making the case for people to vote yes.
0: So in a spirit of generosity and optimism, vote yes.
3: But he faced an uphill battle from the start, with the Liberal Party coming out against the proposal in April. It
2: should be very clear to Australians by now that the Prime Minister is dividing our country and the Liberal Party seeks to unite our country.
3: That decision prompted the Shadow Minister for Indigenous Australians, Julian Lisa, to resign from the Libs cabinet so he could campaign for the Yes case.
1: No, there's no ongoing negative impacts of uh,
3: colonisation. Aboriginal woman Jacinta Nampa Price took his place on the front bench and became the face of the No campaign. But if we keep telling Aboriginal people that they are victims, well, we are effectively removing their agency. And on the other side of the debate was independent Senator Lydia Thorpe, who left the Greens in February because of their support of The Voice. She instead made the case for the Black Sovereign Movement.
0: You don't need a referendum for a treaty, and you don't need a referendum for
3: extra Senate seats in
0: the parliament.
3: At times, the debate on The Voice got really ugly and hurtful, and First Nations people reported higher incidents of racism as a result. And events overseas had consequences here in Australia.
0: Set them free,
3: bring them home. Thank you. The October seven terror attack and following Israel Gaza war saw a rise in both Islamophobia and anti-Semitism.
0: We haven't seen anything like this. Our parents haven't seen like anything like this. Your
3: very identity is under threat as a Palestinian. You know. Oh, the pepper spray is out. Violent clashes erupted in Melbourne, and opposition leader Peter Dutton used it as an opportunity to accuse the PM of not doing enough to tackle anti-Semitism.
2: Right now, there is a need for unequivocal and unqualified condemnations of the anti-Semitism we are witnessing.
3: Australia's long-standing support of Israel prompted accusations that the government wasn't doing enough to call out civilian deaths.
2: But today, Australia has changed its position, voting for a ceasefire in Gaza at the UN General Assembly, with Prime Minister Anthony Albanese issuing a rare joint statement with the leaders of New Zealand and Canada.
3: All of this has led to a real deterioration in our collective sense of belonging. And this year,
2: it was uh, social cohesion was, was lower than it has been uh, since 2007. Hack
0: on Triple J. Shalala Madora with that update. This is The Shake-Up on Hack. I'm Dave Marchese breaking down the year in politics with our panel. Victorian Animal Justice Party MP Georgie Purcell, former WA Liberal leader, Yamachi writer, Zach Kirkup. Hey, Zach, I want to start with you, the voice referendum, because you were here on this show at this time last year and you were talking about how you hoped the referendum campaign would play out this year. Here's what you said.
2: I really worry that it's going to be a, a very divisive debate about, you know, a whole cohort of people who are the First Nations people of our country. I, I hope that language the Prime Minister used in July is going to th- flow through to the whole Gulf government approach and the whole of the campaign, both sides in relation to The Voice.
0: Mm, Zach, what do you make of those comments a year later, knowing what you do now after seeing The Voice campaign play out?
2: I, I think it was... That's uh, the aspiration of what, what I had there, and I'm sure... Uh, and reflected the view that, of, views of many didn't play out. I mean, that. The campaign got increasingly more toxic and caustic as it went on, and I think um, just descended from this lofty ambition and and a very noble concept of taking the vote of constitutional recognition to the people of Australia, uh, and it just deteriorated at a rapid at a rapid rate, and it was really disappointing at what happened. I mean, result aside, the the lead up into that that campaign in in. in you know, at at times getting very emotional and very heated, um, I think just really did not play out with, with that same noble goal that I think we all had hoped. The best of our best of intentions at the start didn't, did not eventuate.
0: I mean, Zach, you were pretty clear the day before the referendum that you didn't know how you were voting. You were leaning maybe towards no. You heard the PM Anthony Albanese on hack that day before his last minute pitch to voters. Where do you think it went wrong for Anthony Albanese?
2: Look, I think, you know, can I just separate one, one thing here? Very, very importantly, I think it was a very noble goal for the Prime Minister to bring that to the people of Australia. Like, that is, you know, the Prime Minister is not my Party, but I think it's worth recognising that he was trying to, to heed the call of, of First Nations people after the statement from the heart uh, about what, what we saw as the next steps for recognition. Uh, but frankly, I think there just became a, a real disconnect between the uh, campaign for yes and the intention of the uh, and and motivations of the people who, people of Australia it just didn't seem to be like they could land a, a simple explanation couldn't land its relevance to to sort of middle inverted commas middle Australia to the people who are in the suburbs struggling to pay their mortgage or young people even young people struggling to really make the connection as to why they should vote yes and you know that's not without recognising that the prime minister I thought entered the incident into it with the best of intention and mm. I've got to say Dave that last interview he gave on Hack which was the, one of the last things he did. He, you got you sent. I sensed, sorry, I sensed his frustration and his real, almost dismissive nature. It, it, the language moved from this idea that there was this very noble ask, um, and the, and it, even his own language towards the end just became, I think, a lot more frustrated, full yeah. of frustration.
0: Georgie Purcell, do you have any reflections on the voice referendum as a politician? How you saw the debate handled in the political world?
1: Yeah, look. I think I'd say, first of all, I'm I'm always very hesitant to criticise other politicians. I prefer to, you know, focus on the work that I'm doing. But I do think that um, the Prime Minister um, let this get away from him too quickly with the announcement um, not really be- being able to explain what the voice is, what the wording was. Um, and I absolutely voted yes and I campaigned for yes. And I'm really, really proud to live in Victoria where we're doing things like advancing treaty and continuing to listen to First Nations people. But let's be honest with ourselves, the uh, outcome has had a serious impact that will exist for some time. And I think it's unfortunately because of misinformation and perhaps we need to consider some, you know, more serious consequences for people who are putting stuff out there that is just frankly untrue that results in these devastating outcomes.
0: I was going to ask, Georgie, like the aftermath of it, there was a bit of... A reflection on what happened, what went wrong. Do you think that's gone for long enough that we have really properly gotten to the bottom of um, the issues around the voice uh, discussion and the debate that was happening in Australian society?
1: Yeah, look, I genuinely believe that most people just didn't understand what it was because I know people that absolutely support um, justice for First Nations people and are supportive of a treaty in Victoria and Uh, other issues, but still voted no on this. I think there was so much confusion about what it was and then the narrative got away from the government. And I just really hope now that in this reflection period, other state leaders will step up because obviously this has failed at a federal level, but there's certainly many things that state governments and state parliaments can be doing uh, to bring about justice and equality for First Nations people.
0: On the text line, someone says, the PM was trying to tell us what to do. That's what went wrong. Another person says, I was in New Zealand for a holiday when the referendum vote happened. I started talking with a Kiwi accent so no-one would ask me about it. Someone's message there. Another big issue, obviously, that's just been dominating all of the headlines in the past few months is Gaza. There's so much to unpack here. Georgie, can I get your reaction to the news out today that Australia's calling for a, what's been called a sustainable ceasefire in Gaza, also that Australia voted at the UN in favour of a ceasefire? Did you expect that to
1: happen? Look... I was hopeful that it would happen and I'm glad it's happened but I think it's it's far too late and I guess what I would say is that uh, on the comments that other political leaders are making about the rise of division on these issues, I actually see the protests and the demonstrations that are coming out of this is actually an active effort to stop division. People want to stop this violence. They don't want to see it happen. And I'm really glad that uh, these leaders have finally listened and, I, you know, many people that have been calling their elected officials every single day asking for a ceasefire. I've asked for a ceasefire in Parliament, as have many other politicians. You know, we've got government MPs that are friends uh, that in the Parliamentary Friends of Palestine. People within um, the Labour Party themselves have been calling for this as well, so I'm, I'm glad that they've listened, um, and I hope it, it has impact because obviously we know that it is just a it's a it's a symbolic gesture. It's um, you know there's no real repercussions uh, or binding nature of this.
0: Zach Kirkup, what did you make of this announcement today about the calls for a ceasefire coming from Australia?
2: Yeah, I mean I it was it was a bit of a I, I found it a bit of a shock, I suppose that. Um, this was the the position that was taken by by Australia at the UN. But ultimately, I think you've seen um, the foreign minister take a fairly sort of you know step by step, not necessarily going too hard in one direction. I don't think. And the culmination of that with the with the call for the ceasefire, I think George is right. It is largely symbolic, but it does have a significant impact on you know obviously of people of uh, you know people in Australia from uh, Palestine or from Israel. They'll take quite a bit from this and. I think that's, um, you know, the fact that we're still going through this, unfortunately, now in December um, is, is this has gone on for so long. And I feel so sorry for, for all, the, all the victims do you involved.
0: S- do you see parallels, Zach, with how Gaza and what's happening there has been handled by politicians in debates, discussions and the voice debate? In what sense, Dave? In the sense that uh, how politicians have handled it, uh, how they've, um, you know, used their their calls for action. Do, do, you, oh, yeah. do, do you think there's any kind of parallel there that can be made? In, in Because what yeah. we're hearing from people is that uh, it's become a really toxic atmosphere in society. Um, you know, we've got people reporting rises in anti-Semitism, uh, Islamophobia, and around the voice debate, we had, you know, similar reports of people reporting a rise. In racism, do you think there are some parallels?
2: Yeah, I think you know that's a really good way, a, a really good way of, of putting it. I mean, I, I remain really concerned in our country that we're we're not you know a a, you, a united people as much, and these issues have sort of continued to fracture you know maybe the nature of our society a bit more. And that's where I think you turn to political political leaders. I'm a, obviously a very big proponent of democracy, and I think that's the role of political political leaders at every level is to bring people together and not to not to sow division. And I think both of these have been points, flashpoints, where they have, uh, you know, ingrained a sense of division amongst the people for different reasons. Um, you know, when it comes to things like The Voice, it was not done intentionally at the very beginning, but at the end it became a, a real point that people stood up and actively tried to divide the country against itself. And that only means long-term damage for for us as a nation as we try and address the many, many issues Um, confronting our country.
0: Got some messages coming through on the text line. Someone says, I find it quite telling. Australia is now uh, going against the grain, calling for a ceasefire at the UN General Assembly. It seems that the only allied country still supporting the humanitarian crisis is the USA. Uh, We've got messages as well uh, on The Voice. Someone says, I just find it so messed up that uh, parties couldn't have agreed on the referendum. Uh, Someone there saying it should have been a yes vote. Lots of uh, opinions flying in. This is the Shake-Up on Hack, breaking down the year in politics with Victorian MP Georgie Purcell, former WA Liberal leader Zach Kirkup. One of the other disturbing things that we've seen a lot of this year has been an apparent rise in neo-Nazis, white supremacists in public. Hack.
2: Neo-Nazis have openly rallied in the heart of Melbourne. On Triple J.
0: Yeah, really worrying stuff, Georgie Purcell. Can I ask you, a Victorian, someone in politics in that state... How's it felt seeing the presence of neo-Nazis at rallies in Melbourne, in regional areas, outside state parliament?
3: Yeah,
1: look, it has been quite terrifying scenes. And I think if we really sort of peel it back, this all began during our uh, quite strict uh, restrictions during coronavirus. And I think many people felt isolated and alone and have found themselves part of these very radical, uh, dangerous, extreme fringe groups. And we weren't prepared for what that meant. Um, we have acted since then to address it. We have um, banned uh, the swastika um, on display. And We uh, have banned the Nazi salute just a few months ago in Parliament, but I think more needs to be done to address the reasons why people are doing this. Why are people being radicalised in this way, and um, what we need to do to stop it? Because unfortunately, here in Victoria, it just seems to continue to grow.
0: Yeah, it's really worrying stuff. We've spoken to experts about this on Hack for years about the rise uh, in you know uh, white supremacy, these movements, the alt right. Zach, there's been laws, as Georgie said, brought in in different parts of the country, bans on Nazi symbols, gestures. Do you think that the crackdown on far-right behaviour has gone far enough?
2: Well, I thought, no. I mean, if that's, if that's continuing to happen, you know, under the guise of free, free speech and freedom of protest, I think that's a, absurd. We have not, thankfully, had anything like that over here in, in Western Australia that I can recall in, in recent times. It doesn't mean, of course, that doesn't exist elsewhere, but it's, you know, the, the idea that that, that again, re- represents the division that's occurring in our country which is there's a real core issue here that I think needs to be addressed and, again, is the role of political leaders to bring people together. But the idea that those – I've seen the media related to those rallies over in, in Melbourne in particular. I think it's, it was shocking to me as someone who's an Australian, albeit on the other side of the country. It's, I was shocked that that could happen in, in, this, in this day and age in Australia.
0: Yeah, it's definitely an issue that I suspect we're going to be talking a lot more about uh, over the next year. We have been covering like a lot of heavy issues here, but there's also been a whole bunch more that's been going on in politics over 2023. Let's get a bit of a reminder from Shalala Madora.
3: 2023 was the year we tried to put the trauma of COVID lockdowns behind us. It marked the end of the trade war with China, prompted by finger-pointing over the origins of the coronavirus.
1: Analysts said the protracted bans were part of a campaign of economic punishment conducted by China against
3: Australia. And it saw the farewell of a bunch of Locky D familiar faces. When it's time, it's time. I don't need to do it again. But the truth is, I'm tired. In fact, I'm exhausted. Mark McGowan, Dan Andrews and Anastasia Palaszczuk all resigned as premiers of their states. And Dominic Perrottet lost the New South Wales election, making way for Chris Minns.
1: The people of New
0: South Wales have voted for a fresh start.
3: (laughs) Our friends across the ditch had a similar experience with New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern calling it quits just before an election. And so today I'm announcing that I will not be seeking re-election. While we're talking about former pollies, the ICAC wrapped up its investigation and found Gladys Berejiklian had engaged in serious corrupt conduct. The highest level of finding that ICAC can make. She's since launched legal action against the anti-corruption body. Senator David Vann quit the Liberal Party after multiple accusations of inappropriate behaviour towards women, claims he denies. The government faced heat over the decision not to let Qatar Airways operate more flights into Australia, and an inquiry was set up to look into it. And speaking of heat, Australia promised to increase its use of renewables at a major global climate change conference, COP28.
0: We've had the hottest day, we've had the hottest month, we've had the hottest week, we've had the hottest month after the hottest month on repeat this year. And that underpins the need for more action.
3: But the commitment to phase out fossil fuels altogether is still causing sparks. In November, the government was caught off guard by a High Court ruling that would see people who'd been indefinitely detained in immigration detention released into the community. Prime Minister has failed the single most important test of the leader of our nation, that is to keep people safe. The government threw together laws which were quickly passed by Parliament that could see some of the former detainees put back behind bars. Our government is now going to move quickly to establish the toughest possible preventative detention regime. And remember how I said things were all happy-happy with us in China now? (sighs) Yeah, not quite. Australian Navy divers have been injured during an encounter with a Chinese warship. That prompted an official protest by the Aussie government and stern words of retaliation from the Chinese. Hack on Triple J. Shalala Madora with that update. So
0: much in there. I'm wondering what your political highlight was this year. If there's one thing that maybe you were happy to see or a lighter moment in amongst all the intense news, it's going to be hard to find one. But I am keen to hear. Message in 0439757555. Also, what you think about the state of politics in Australia right now? How do you feel about it heading into next year? I want to get your thoughts. This is The Shake Up on Hack. I'm Dave Marchese, breaking down 2023 in politics with Victorian Animal Justice Party MP Georgie Purcell, former WA Liberal leader, Yamachi Ryder, Zach Kirkup. Zach, as we just heard, a lot of the COVID leaders gone this year. Dan right. Andrews, Anastasia, Par- um, Perrottet as well, your old mate Mark McGowan. <laughs> What are your feelings? Was it good I, to see him go? Oh,
2: look, I mean, you know, personally, of course. Um, no, but there was a... got to say, when, when the um, Premier McGowan uh, resigned, you know, with quite a lot of short... Quite little notice, very, very suddenly almost, there was quite a, a real sense amongst some people uh, that it was a bit like being dumped by your partner. <laughs> It was it was a really bizarre sort people of reaction. Took personally, didn't they? Absolutely, people were really <laughs> upset about it. I mean, you know, I, I personally, I think it was a great, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously very biased in that respect. But I mean that that was a that was quite a, re- a reaction, I think, where people it just showed the affection that people had for their state leaders, particularly those who took them through their COVID lockdown and COVID yeah, period. And um, same with Peritai Oh, sorry, same with um, Dan Andrews, obviously. Um, and then less, less to a lesser extent, um, Perite and Al- Anastasia Palaszczuk, obviously, given her numbers apparently weren't, weren't holding up too well. I think
0: the relationship definitely changed a lot over the course of the years as well with all of those leaders. There were highs, there were lows. Georgie, it was a bit bizarre, this relationship we all had with the COVID state leaders, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it sure was. All and the mugs
0: I, and merchandise and stuff that people yeah. had made.
1: <laughs> and I think as well, particularly here in Victoria, obviously, we were um, quite locked down here and people didn't like and people didn't enjoy it. But I think despite what I was saying before about what happened um, during uh, COVID here, I think... At the end of the day, Daniel Andrews w- was a source of safety and comfort for many people. You'd turn on your TV every day and you'd get the update and he became a part of everyone's life. And I think that through that, um, whether they liked him or not, they became a little bit of a uh, bit attached to him and it was sad to see him go.
0: Yeah, some people sad, some people stoked to yes. see him go. <laughs> We're getting all the opinions on the text line. I mean, Zach, every mainland state uh, and territory now Labor, Tassie's the only Liberal government. Did you expect that to happen this
2: year? look i I, I didn't. Um, I, I mean it's one of those things, I suppose, where the the fact that the Commonwealth Government and the state governments on the mainland, the state and territory governments on the mainland are all are all um, labour now says something about the state of our parties, I think, and shows the challenge that my party, the Liberal Party has in maintaining our relevancy and our connection to our, to our respective constituents. I think that's a real challenge.
0: Because this is a big thing that the Liberal Party has been grappling with for a while in terms of attracting young people especially. How is it going to do that next year, do you think? Like, is that is that a huge focus? Is that what you're hearing?
2: Yeah, it, it is. A, I know it's a definite focus of, of the Liberal Party and certainly people I've spoken to. But it is a real challenge as well because ultimately... You know, those older voters, there's not as many of them uh, this year as there were last year, and they'll continue to be a a smaller and smaller portion, sadly, smaller and smaller portion of of the proportion of voters. And younger people, those under 35, are growing in in size. So there's a... and, And, frankly, I think all the research shows that they don't have... Those younger voters don't have an affection towards the Liberal Party. And that's something we really need to do. We can't keep focusing, I think, on what you'd call the, you know, elder, senior vote. We need to make sure our party... The Liberal Party, broadly across the country, appeals to young people as well. We can't just assume that we can we can ride into government again off the back of of you know elderly voters. It's not going to it's not going to happen anymore.
0: We've got someone on the text line saying Georgie's my fave. Hope she keeps <laughs> up the good work in 2024 and beyond. That was from Sean in Geelong. Georgie, you've obviously got a bit of support with young people. You're going to give the Liberal Party some lessons and uh, outline your strategies for getting young voters.
1: Yeah, look, first of all, thanks, Sean, in Geelong. That's my day. Look, I think the Liberal Party has a lot of work to do to attract young voters. Uh, Here in Victoria, they have a few new young MPs, but... The reality is, I think, particularly in our state, which is seen as a um, somewhat progressive state—not progressive enough, in my opinion—it's hard to—it's hard to match oh, up. <laughs> it's hard to match up to, I guess, the work that the government's doing. And I would love to see the Liberal Party be bolder on on many issues where I believe it's safe to do so. We've just lost a Liberal MP in the upper house last sitting week. He's resigned and he's moving overseas. And he actually called on his own party to to be bold on drug law reform and drug harm reduction and I think that's the, the the kind of thing that young people want to see.
0: Can you uh, sense radical changes Zach in the Liberal Party platform in 2024? I'm really well, honing in on the Liberal Party at this point. <laughs> well, I
1: mean, it, depends on what,
2: it depends on your your definition of of radical I think uh, Dave but there is a there is a clear understanding of the need to make sure we we remain relevant to the majority of the, the majority of Australian voters like that that is the part and parcel the bread and butter of, of every political party that wants to be relevant and govern, and so there has to be real work that's put into that. And uh, maybe we should be we should be um, following the socials of. Of Georgie a lot more. I just followed her today on Instagram, and, <laughs> mate. There's some there's some content there. It's pretty uh, impressive. You're both pretty. Right. You're both pretty good at the content
0: machine. It's pumping out constantly. I love it. Um, but you know, you like you say, Zach, uh, an issue for all political parties. Labor grappling with, um, you know, its own issues in terms of retaining, uh, finding new people to support. Um, in terms of international politics, Jacinda Ardern resigning and Sanna Marin wrapping up as Finnish Prime Minister. Georgie, how big of an impact do you reckon these two? World leaders had on young women in particular? Uh,
1: An extraordinary impact. I mean, even for me personally, I think that many female politicians and many young women looked up to both of them and Uh, they really sort of broke down barriers. And particularly, I think just uh, women like Jacinda Ardern, you know, having a baby when you're in the top job, it means so much to be able to watch someone do that. Um, I'm really big on, you know, politicians being normal people, like we are normal people with um, lives and things that we care about. And that's why we go into this job. And I feel like so many people, particularly women, have to hide parts of themselves or cover up parts of themselves in order to do this job. And she didn't do that. And I think at Made a really, really big difference.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? I wonder if there were any moments in politics this year that you guys found uplifting or lighter. Is there anything that springs to mind, or will you look back on this as a really kind of heavy year?
1: Um, I'm happy to go first, Zach, if, if that's all right. Please yeah, go first. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I, I actually have I have two, if that's okay. That'll be quick. My first one is from a few weeks ago, the Victorian Parliament after the by-election in Mulgrave when Daniel Andrews resigned, uh, elected a woman. So the Victorian Parliament is now actually 50% women for the mm-hmm. first time ever, which yep. I think is a great sign for change. And for me, a light-hearted moment, I accidentally got caught unprepared to speak in Parliament and I had to do it in a Law & Order SV. You shirt with um Stabler and Olivia Benson on it, so that's my yearly highlight.
2: Zach, can you match that? Look, I can't, I mean, that's now my highlight. Oh, that's so
0: funny. Hey, it's good to end on a laugh because this is a heavy show and there's been so much that's been going down this year, but hey, I can't thank our shake up crew enough, wouldn't want to break it down with anyone else former WA Liberal leader, Yamachi writer, Zach Kirkup. Thank you very
2: much. Dave, thanks very much for having me, and you have a, um, a safe holiday. Oh, thank you, mate. You too. And
0: Victorian MP Georgie Purcell, thank you.
1: Thanks, Dave. And also thanks, Zach. I'm going to follow you straight back after this. Oh, oh a little friendship mate. is
0: born. Dave we made. love
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> Hack.
0: On Triple Jack. Big thanks again to the Shake Up crew. Tomorrow on the Shake Up, we're talking the biggest issue that's impacted young people this year, and that's cost of living. You know what it is. Rent, inflation, interest rates. The struggle is real. We're going to be getting into all of it with Hannah Ferguson from Cheek Media and creator and housing advocate Jack Toohey. It'll be interesting. It'll be fun. Make sure you join us then. I'll catch ya.